All right, let's clarify. Is it Chuck E. Cheese or is it Chuck E. Cheese's? Because I always thought it was Chuck E. Cheese, but I just Googled it and it turns out it's Chuck E. Cheese's. That's what it says on the sign. Chuck E. Cheese's. I remember saying, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Not let's go to Chuck E. Cheese's. Cheese's what? What is that, possessive? There used to be a Chuck E. Cheese in my neighborhood. And that was like a rave for little kids. Seriously, you would walk into Chuck E. Cheese and just smell like root beer and pepperoni in the air. And that smell would just cover my body with glee, with glory and glee. You step right into Chuck E. Cheese. It's immediately fun. Immediately fun. Screams of kids drowning in the ball pit. People nailing the bullseye and ski ball. Shunk. Foom. Lots of big sounds. Lots of big sounds. To an eight-year-old, that's the best pizza on earth. Nowadays, if I was to try Chuck E. Cheese's pizza, it'd be shitty. But back in the day, delicious. Actually, I will not ever have a chance to try any more Chuck E. Cheese's pizza. Because that is out of business. Bankrupt. Goodbye. Then there was a little rat hole where little kids would go slam dance. There was like a little rat hole in the corner with strobe lights and heavy metal music. And kids would just go in there, lose teeth, break bones. Mosh pit. There was the big puppet show with the big puppets and their instruments. And then about every two hours, some employee would put on the big Chuck E. Cheese costume and come out. And that was my favorite part. That was the best part. Shake my hand, Chuck E. Cheese. Come here, Chuck E. Cheese. Let's take a photo. Hey, Chuck E., come here. I'd like to talk to you about some things going on in my life right now. Hey, Chucky, there's a few things on my mind. If you have a few minutes after making your rounds, I'd like to talk to you. I really treated my Chucky Cheese encounters with some solid intention. Hey, Chucky, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for us in the community. And did we have juvenile delinquents who took Chucky's head off once in a while? Yeah, that happened. I'm not making that up. We had some hooliganism. They would just rip Chucky's head off and some poor employee, some 15-year-old making seven bucks an hour would scream and have to run away. That was part of it. Hey, that was part of life at Chuck E. Cheese or Chuck E. Cheese's. I guess I started thinking about this because my wife brought home a ball pit, like a really small ball pit. So my little daughter plays in the balls all alone, all alone. We're in a pandemic. You can't have a bunch of kids in a ball pit right now. That's a thing of the past. You could just have one quiet two-year-old playing in the balls. As I, the parent, keep pushing her back. She tries to get out, I push her back in. She tries to get out, I push her back in. That's the game we play. But I loved the balls. How unsanitary were those balls? At Chuck E. Cheese, just 20 kids wrestling in the balls. Just boogers and dandruff. Fingernails and mushrooms. So much sweat. And tears. Oh yeah, those balls were covered with tears. Wasn't that the old slogan? Chuck E. Cheese's, where the balls are covered in your tears. Probably not. But I'm going to miss those balls. I think we're all going to miss those balls. Put that on a long list of things we ain't doing anymore. Thank you, COVID-19. You know what else we're not doing anymore? Water slides, water parks. You think kids are lining up shoulder to shoulder to go down a topsy-turvy, twirly-whirly, wet water slide? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Even with social distancing, I don't think we're going back to the water slides. But my buddies down the street, they have a small little water slide. And when I say small, I mean like three feet. Okay, it's not raging waters. It's a three-footer. 
And I think we're potting with them because we trust that they don't have COVID-19 and they trust us. So now we can hang out. Not even the scared kind of hangout. Like we have those friends too, where it's wear a mask, stay six feet apart, but I'd really like to see you. We have those friends, but these friends, I think it's safe to say we could just kick it. We could even hug. It's weird. And these friends have a couple of boys and they said we could come over for water slide day. And I was thinking, all right, this might be her only experience in life. Water parks have got to be done. Extinct. Goodbye. COVID killed them. COVID killed the water slide parks. But they have a three footer. My daughter was loving it. And I just couldn't stop thinking about Windsor Waterworks. You're going to get wet. If you're from the Bay Area or if you're from somewhere in Northern California, maybe you know about Windsor Waterworks. It's totally done. It's been closed for many years. But when I was a kid, a little kid, outside of Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese's, there was no better day. Winter Waterworks during the summertime? You kidding me? There was only about four slides. But to me, to a little kid, it was like beyond Disneyland fun. And I was describing this place, just the weirdest place ever. Sometimes when you're an adult and you look back on childhood memories and you're like, did that really happen? We used to just go there? And do you remember this? And do you remember that? Do you remember air hockey? And do you remember the tan bark? Do you remember that weird guy by the side? Do you remember the meth dealer in front? Do you remember those mats? Those bacteria-filled mats with holes in them? Those gross mats that you would have to slide down the water slides with? And I just kept going down memory lane. Hard dive down memory lane to the point where I had to Google it. I had to show my wife, who's from Minnesota. Hey, here is paradise for little kids back in the 80s. And I actually found one of the old commercials on YouTube. YouTube, are you kidding me? God, YouTube, you are amazing. Not only do you have all the Warriors games I need from 1991 and 1992, nope, I'm not kidding, but you also have a Windsor Waterworks ad? And I can analyze it. First, I'm just going to play the jingle right now. And I think you know what I'm about to say. There's not enough jingles anymore in the world of advertising. This is a good jingle. But then I'm going to tell you, because obviously this is not video, this is audio. I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening on the screen. And it didn't just live up to my expectations. It exceeded it. All right. So here we go. Okay, Windsor Waterworks, you're going to get wet. Woody and Friends continues with Spider-Man. Oh, wow. Woody Woodpecker coming up next. So, this YouTube video has um, 16,000 views, 120 thumbs up, one thumbs down. One person said, nope. God damn it. No way. Thumbs down, Windsor Waterworks. So, their slogan was, you're going to get wet. Somebody actually thought of that. They were having a meeting. All the top-ranked business executives around an oval table wearing suits. And they said, all right, we got a good concept, but we need a slogan. Took them seven months before one guy just stepped up and said, how about you're going to get wet? And they all just slowly nodded. Yeah. Windsor Waterworks, you're going to get wet. So I have to play the ad one more time. Got to play the jingle. And really listen to how beautiful this jingle is. And I'm going to describe what's going on. I might have to pause it sometimes. 
So it starts off with an aerial shot in the best font I've ever seen of Windsor Waterworks just looking like jumbo letters, jumbo wet letters. Okay, here comes an 80s looking teenage girl on that bacteria filled mat coming down. And then here's the best part. I got to pause this. Okay. It's a kid eating a giant watermelon next to his grandma. The grandma has white hair and she's dressed formally on a picnic table. I remember these picnic tables and the kid is just doing the motion of like roller coaster hands to the grandma and the grandma loves it so much. She brings him in for one of the tightest, most sentimental, emotional embraces. You're ever going to see a grandma with her grandson. Okay. So they're eating a giant watermelon, probably the biggest watermelon I've ever seen in my life. And grandma came out to Windsor waterworks that day. Like she was dressed for a wedding. This is a time when let's just be honest, older women dressed up for everything. If you saw somebody's grandma at a ball game, at the grocery store, at the bank, she was probably really dressed up. You know, a regal look, a nice pants suit, freshly pressed, maybe a big dress, a big flowing dress. But this was the era where women aged 70 to 90 always dressed real nice. So there's grandma and grandson. She's loving it. She's loving it. Oh, and here we go. I got to stop. This next clip in the commercial is a volleyball match. 20 on 20. Just everybody on the court at once. Everybody in high socks and short shorts. There's no rules. I don't even think they are keeping score. Everybody looks high. This has nothing to do with water slides, but they're just playing wacky volleyball. Shirts off. I don't even understand what's going on. There is a net. I actually don't even know if it's volleyball. Maybe just a bunch of people standing around a net. You're going to get wet. Windsor water, what you gonna get wet? And then it says six miles north of Santa Rosa on Highway 101, Windsor exit. To nine-year-old Josh Rosenberg would have driven 20 hours to get to Windsor Waterworks. And sometimes it felt like that. I still don't really know where Windsor is. Do you? We've heard of it. Windsor is a town, but without the waterworks, it's gotta be a ghost town. Those sacred memories of nearly drowning and getting splinters in my feet. And telling Grandma all about the drop. Grandma, you wore your brooch and your pendant and your finest pearls for this? Wait till I tell you what happened. So I picked up that dank, slick, slimy mat, taupe colored. And I stood in line for about 60 minutes. Couldn't I have just said an hour right there? And then when it was my turn, well, I'm a little guy, so I didn't exactly get the type of momentum I was hoping, and I stalled in the middle. It was a little bit of a dry patch, we call it in the water slide community. And then luckily, they sent down a Samoan teenager right behind me, a little too early, a little too early on the green light, and then poof, he shattered all the vertebrae I have. So I'm injured, Grandma, but my God, Windsor Waterworks, I did get wet. Dee 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 dee. It ain't happening anymore. There's no more ball pits. There's no more bacteria-filled mats and water slide parks. It's done. COVID is going to keep us clean. I mean, we'll get back to a sliver of normalcy. But a bunch of that gross shit we used to do, a bunch of that gross stuff we used to just send kids into, not anymore. I don't think so. Bounce houses? Parents? Bounce houses? I mean, bounce houses have always been a bad idea, right? Just call 911 before you shove your kid in there. The type of injuries, oh my God. Who has the craziest bounce house injury story? Compound fracture. So yeah, 
Lisa's tooth went into Tyler's neck, and then that's the point where Tyler's elbow snapped. But it was still a nice time. It was still good. People just inflate these houses and send a bunch of kids in. I don't think that's going to be happening anymore. Holy shit. Old YouTube ads. It's got to be local businesses, though. Local businesses in your neighborhood, family-owned. Go to YouTube right now and just type it in. My wife's family, they had this restaurant called Smokey's. Smokey's. All the ads are up on YouTube. Who saved their VHS tapes, recorded the commercials of these places, and have uploaded it? Who are these people? Why? Why did you do that? Why did you put up a Smokey's and Windsor Waterworks and Chuck E. Cheese's ad? I don't know, but I'm so thankful. About that same age, about that same age that I liked Windsor Waterworks, was also the same age where I discovered fashion, apparently. Fashion. And I know this because of old elementary school class pictures. My friend Sunila sent me one, a fourth grade Mrs. Zander's class. She sent me one. Now, this was an era, I don't know, early 90s, but this was an era where all the girls in the photo we're wearing like these Puritan dresses, like Quakers. Have you seen this? Do you remember this? If you're around my age, I'm 39, but if you're around my age, go ask your parents if you could find any class photos from elementary school and take a look at what the girls were wearing. These girls wouldn't wear that to school any other day, but on photo day, on picture day, they were in these like ruffly dresses looking almost Amish, Puritan-like. I don't know how to describe it. But these were just the worst dresses to put little girls in for the photo. And then all the boys in the photo were dressed like they forgot it was picture day. Like they didn't even know. Their parents didn't know. They didn't know. So they're all just in Bugle Boy shorts and Bart Simpson shirts. Except for me in this Mrs. Zander fourth grade photo that was sent to me. All the boys are looking red faced and sweaty just after recess playing handball, basketball, and all the girls are dressed formally like Quakers. Don't ask. I don't have a clue why. And then there's me. Apparently, I had known it was photo day, class photo day, for a long time. Because I'm wearing a sharp black button-down cardigan over a purple turtleneck with my hair waxed back. I'm not even saying gelled back. But I remember at the barbershop, my parents let me pick a product. And I went straight for wax, hair wax. This isn't mousse. This isn't hairspray. This is not gel. Once again, you can Google this. It was called hair wax. So I look like something out of the 1920s. In this photo, there's all the kids looking somewhat normal. And then there's Frankie Valley over there in the corner. This Jersey boy with his waxed, slick back hair. Big smile on my face. Big smile. Definitely the littlest kid in the class too. So I look like someone hired the entertainment and I just snuck in. Like I was some crooner from New Jersey. And then all the girls in the Quaker dresses, all the boys in the Bart Simpson shirts, and then me. And that is, yeah, that is me discovering fashion. Oh, I'm going to knock them dead on picture day. Hey, Josh, we need another for basketball. I'm good, boys. I'll be waxing my hair in the bathroom, getting ready for that snapshot. I mean, looking back, I wish I did wear my Simpson shirt. I had all the Simpson shirts, even the one that got us into trouble, that said underachiever and proud of it. You remember the early days of the Simpsons? When it was just a little short on the Tracy Ullman show, just ugly animation. And then it got its own show, and the animation was still eh. And the content was good, but it wasn't like expertly written comedy. It was just like something so new and different. And they would slowly introduce all the characters, Moe and Barney and Marge's sisters and Homer's dad. 
and Ned, groundskeeper Willie and Krabappel and Skinner and Burns and Smithers. And I was so into it. And I think it's still on. Isn't that weird? I'm giving you memories of elementary school to show that, you know, the animation was terrible, then it got better. And now I'm like, who's watching that? I honestly don't know anybody who's still watching The Simpsons. That'll be like this podcast. Starts off real poor animation, poor quality. Then it kind of hits a crescendo, kind of hits its peak, hits its pinnacle. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'll let you know when we're there. And then it'll still be going. And people are like, did you hear it? It's still on? Here we go with Josh Rosenberg. It's still on. Who's listening to that? Just like I'm discussing The Simpsons. And a lot of people go, I used to. Like, I don't really know why I stopped. That's me with The Simpsons. That's pretty much everybody I know with The Simpsons. They go, yeah, I used to watch that. I don't know when I stopped. It's not like you had a falling out. You just slowly phased out of it. I know they made a movie, what, 12 years ago? But that's just wild that that show is still going. That would be really cool, I just thought of, to go on eBay and try to get some old Bart Simpson shirts, try to bring that back. Bring that back. Still see Massimo, the Big Johnson shirts. Let's bring it all back. Body glove shorts. Let's just bring it all back, okay? That's all fashion does. It's all cyclical. Even the ugly fashion of the late 90s when I graduated high school. I can't even look at those photos with the frosted tip hair, the puka shell necklaces. I pierced my cartilage. I did. I pierced the top part of my ear because that was in. This is like, what, Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray? Ugh. We're not there yet. You know, I say fashion is cyclical. I don't see anybody dressing that way yet. Big baggy cargo jeans. Eh, thanks. Lugs boots. I had them. Gave me an extra two inches of height. Of course I had Lugs boots. Needed them. You're damn right. Halloween is coming up. That'd be a great costume. 1999 Josh. Lugs boots. Big baggy cargo jeans. Puka shell necklace. Go back to Claire's Boutique. Pierce my cartilage again. God, that hurts so bad. Got really infected. Couldn't sleep on that side of my face because my ear hurt on the pillow. I guess I didn't read the instructions on how to use the ear solution. Sorry. There was a line of 11-year-old girls laughing at me when I got my ear pierced. Hey, girls, keep it down. And maybe a Fila windbreaker jacket. Fila, is that still a brand? Or just like Windsor Waterworks and Chuck E. Cheese. Fila is up, up, and away. Goodbye. Gone. Carl Kanai. What are some other brands? Twism. That was Shaq's brand. I don't know. Tommy Hilfiger. That was big. Tommy Hilfiger. Silk boxers. You know I can find those still. Used on eBay. I'll get into an auction. Is eBay still auctioning off silk boxers? I'll let you know next time. I'll let you know. Satin jackets. Come on. All right. Let me transition. This is really cool. I'm about to tell you a really cool story that I just read. And I read it in a book written by a grown man by the name of Philly Bailey Wurndell. Now, when I worked in sports radio, I had a lot of co-hosts throughout the years. But one co-host I had, at the time, I'd say I might have been 27. I'm guessing he was 67. So a bit of an age gap. But I liked him. He liked me. I guess it worked on some level. For six months, I was doing shows with Philly Billy Wurndell, who was really well known. You'll never guess what city he's from. Yeah, okay, yes. Philadelphia, where he was a longtime sports producer, broadcaster, came out to San Diego. So our paths crossed during one Padres season. I forget why I was doing shows with him. There was probably an issue with the lineup. There were a lot of issues with the lineup. They just had to piece it together. So Rosenberg and Warndell, two to four or something before Padres pregame shows. So Billy, I'd say he became a friend, completely lost touch. He got fired. I got bounced. You know, just everybody goes through this revolving door. If you work in radio, 
it's not exactly an industry where you just get to remain for life. Most people get shown the door at some point, or you realize it's not all the glamour and glitz that you thought it once was. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But Billy wrote a book, I noticed. I'm not sure how I even knew that, but I finally said, I'm going to read it. And I read it in three days. It's not a classic, folks. It's not a classic, but some good stories. Plenty of typos, you're damn right. But some good stories. I mean, this is a guy that's been around sports since 1824, I believe. So his book is full of stories. But there was one, and I'm actually going to read this right now. There was one that kind of blew me away. And I kind of knew the story already, but from his perspective, it was interesting. So hold on, let me grab this. All right, consider this the book on tape portion of the podcast because I'm just going to read pretty much. It's quick. I'm going to read pretty much Billy Billy's writing. Chapter 9. Stanley Burrell was a bat boy for the Oakland A's from 73 to 1980. Stanley would entertain and regularly dance outside the pavement when the A's fans would enter the stadium. Now, despite their success in the first half of the 70s, keep in mind the A's never really drew many fans to begin with. So Stanley would dance and people would crowd around. Just picture outside of an A's home game, a guy named Stanley dancing. So back in 1978, Billy says, I just so happened to be working the game of the week for ABC out in Oakland, and I saw Stanley's act in person. During my travels as a producer and sound man at Channel 6, I had the pleasure of meeting Jim Essien, a former Phillies player who was now playing for the Oakland A's. A's were taking practice, infield practice, and I looked up and I saw this kid who looked about 16 years old in a full green and gold A's uniform, taking ground balls on the field at shortstop. Hey Jim, who's that guy? I asked. Oh, he's the second most powerful guy in the whole A's organization, Jim said. What? I asked in disbelief. He's the eyes and ears of Charlie Finley, Jim said. Charlie Finley was the colorful, if not clueless, owner of the A's, a legend. And Finley was not exactly what you would call a conventional owner by any stretch. He took a liking to this guy, Stanley. The next thing you knew, Burrell was given an honorary position as the club's executive vice president. He's 16 years old, this kid from Oakland, who dances in front of the stadium. He was only a teenager. So during games, Stanley Burrell would actually sit in the owner's box, which had a telephone installed. You know, this is the 70s, and he would take calls from Finley's offices. No matter where Finley was, the A's owner, he would call this teenager. Well, as Billy writes, ABC Sports came up with this idea to put a microphone in Finley's box. So there was no internet, no satellite TV back then, just Burrell literally giving Finley play-by-play of what's happening during the game, wherever Finley was. And ABC recorded the interactions between Stanley and Finley using some of the excerpts throughout the game. So for example, Burrell would tell Finley, hey, this pitcher is losing his stuff. We got to get somebody up in the bullpen. Or our guy's a little slow getting to that ground ball at second base. Let's yank him. Get someone else in. So Burrell, the 16-year-old, had a phone to the owner and he would actually tell him to make some in-game moves to which then Finley would have to phone down to the manager. God, is this dysfunctional. I love this story. Finley also told everybody, you better be nice to this kid. This kid. Who is this kid? Well, Burrell left the A's after graduating high school and later spent several years in the Navy. If you're ever wondering, what do you think happened to him? What happened to that kid? Well, he achieved a little bit of fame and you might know him better as MC Hammer. But back in 78, he was just Charlie Finley's guy. That story is so fucking good. It's so surreal. And Finley was a wacky owner, a nut, 
It's almost like folklore. Those are the best sports stories where you go, was that even real? Was that fiction? This teenage kid used to dance in front of the stadium. The owner took a liking to him and trusted him to sit in the box and give him play-by-play of what he thought should happen. Now, when I was a kid, back to when I was 10, the Windsor Waterworks version of myself, Hammer was Hammer. MC Hammer was too legit to quit. You can't touch this. I mean, the number one thing in entertainment for a little while. And I remember when the A's were going on that amazing run, 88, 89, 90. These A's teams were so amazing. He was like the celebrity fan connected to the team. And I didn't really know the backstory. I think someone once told me he was a bat boy for the A's and I thought it was a charming story. Oh, cool. Hammer used to be a bat boy from the A's. And I did see him at Warriors games when I was a kid, sunglasses on indoors, just wearing that red jacket, no shirt underneath, big gold chain. There was nothing cooler than Hammer. I think he went from MC Hammer and then he took off the MC to just Hammer. But when you read that story, you go, all right, it was worth it for me to read Philly Billy's book. A lot of it is droning on and on and on about Philadelphia sports legends. So not exactly my cup of tea, but I'm happy I read it because that story is so good. I'd love to hear Hammer talk about that. That could be its own documentary, couldn't it? Hammer at the Coliseum, the Hammer of Oakland. What would that doc be called? I would watch. He was so cool. I memorized all the lyrics. Had the tape. When the tape had the jacket that would give you all the lyrics, I would like study it. Wasn't studying anything in the classroom, that's for sure. Just studying. MC Hammer lyrics. Had parachute pants. Of course I had parachute pants. All right, I had a realization. After Billy's book, I picked up Alex Trebek's memoir, The Legendary Host of Jeopardy. I was at Book Passage. Bookstores are now open. We're entering the new tier. More things are open. So bookstores are open. And bookstores are just wonderful. They just smell good. Good bookstores smell like intelligence. So I told my wife, you get a book. Told my daughter, you get a book. And I was looking for a book. I just go straight to memoirs now. One trick pony. I was looking for the Colin Quinn book. The Jerry Seinfeld book looked kind of ridiculous. It's just transcripts of his jokes. So I noticed Trebek, that beautiful looking man on the cover. His life. And I'm reading about his life and I'm reading about his childhood. I'm kind of bored. It's not like an amazing start to the book, but he starts describing Canadians. And I just started thinking of Canadians. Multicultural, polite, punctual. He's describing them. Very accepting, inclusive saying it's not uncommon for religious people to be married to atheists or diverse neighborhoods to have zero fighting or animosity. You know, it's just a nice description. I've never even been to Canada. I don't know if all of this is true, but it's a charming description of a country north of us with a population that's one-tenth of ours. Okay, all that land up there, their population is just one-tenth of the USA. That shocked me. But here's something else that is shocking. Canadians have almost dominated the comedic landscape of pop culture. Think about this. I'm just going to list some names. You think about some of the biggest celebrities in comedy, some of the heaviest hitters from sketch to stand-up. It's astounding how Canada has kind of just infiltrated our TV shows, our movies, our music. And we don't even think of them as foreigners. You don't even think of Canadians as foreigners, do you? You just think, oh, they were born in Ontario, born in Quebec, born in Montreal, oh, born in Vancouver, born in Toronto. Okay, they live here now. They're on the TV. It's like they've dominated so many aspects of pop culture. And I'm just going to jump through that list. And some of these names, you might say, wow, I didn't realize they were Canadian. So there has to be something to it. There has to be something to these Canadians. 
this nationality has to have a secret recipe to humor that maybe the rest of the world doesn't even understand. But Martin Short, okay, boom. You ever meet somebody that doesn't like Martin Short? Of course you haven't. Universally loved Martin Short. You know who else? Phil Hartman. I didn't even realize that from Ontario. I didn't know Phil Hartman was Canadian. Phil Hartman, also universally loved. One of the most well-respected sketch comedians of all time. How about this guy, Jim Carrey? Have you heard of him? In my lifetime, I'm not sure I've ever seen a bigger force in comedy movies than Jim Carrey. Canadian. Mike Myers also was a force. Late 90s, early 2000s. Mike Myers from Wayne's World to Austin Powers. Sorry, it took me a moment. Austin who? who? But Mike Myers was huge. And you know who's big right now? I'd have to say maybe the biggest name in comedy movies. Seth Rogen. I'm not saying universally loved with him. I think a lot of his stuff is so dumb. But he never stops writing. He gets the green light to keep making movies. Seth Rogen, Canadian. Dan Aykroyd, Canadian. How about Tommy Chong? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Cheech and Chong? Cheech and Chong. A lot of this almost sounds like Americana when I start talking about Saturday Night Live. Lauren Michaels, Canadian. And some of the greatest cast members ever, Canadian. And all of this becomes our general perception of American comedy, but really, it's a bunch of these Canadians who came down. Tommy Chong, Michael J. Fox, you kidding me? Teen Wolf? Michael J. Fox? Alex P. Keaton? Family Ties? Canadian. And the world of sitcoms. Michael J. Fox, legend. Matthew Perry, Chandler from Friends. His style of comedy, his sarcastic one-liners, became a major trendsetter. William Shatner, John Candy. Name a funnier fat man. Okay, maybe Chris Farley, but John Candy. Planes, trains, automobiles, the great outdoors. Uncle fucking Buck. Uncle Buck with the bowling ball scene? Come on. Tom Green. He was big at one point. Norm MacDonald. Brought a new flavor to Weekend Update. Norm MacDonald. I've seen him live. He's pretty good. And then just watching the Emmys. Schitt's Creek. All Canadians. Eugene Levy. Look at me pronouncing that correctly. Eugene Levy. Catherine O'Hara. Canadian powerhouses. The greatest impressionist ever, Rich Little. Canadian. Alan Thicke, my favorite sitcom dad of all time. You knew I would mention Growing Pains, right, Jason? Of course you know I try to mention Growing Pains at least once every three episodes. But these are some of the funniest people of all time. What is up with Canada? I don't even know. I have one Canadian friend, Steve. One, I think. And if I based my whole perception of a nationality around Steve... It's pretty good. Nice guy. Funny guy. Good manners. Respectable fella. All right. But I got to visit. I got to do some research. I would love to go to Canada. And if this country continues to plummet into the world of hot dog shit, maybe I should just move to Canada because you're not going to want to hear me complain about all this. When I say all this, the heaviness and ugliness in our country right now, or maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I just read the news too much. No, it's bad. It's bad. Okay. Yeah, okay, it's bad. But oh, Canada, our home and native land. No clue what the next lyric is. Oh, shit. I think the first time I heard that was either the Vancouver Grizzlies or Toronto Raptors. When they entered the NBA, they had to sing that at the All-Star Game. And it just sounded bad. It just sounded like one of those terrible anthems. Like, what's the melody? I don't get it. And now I love it. Oh, Canada. Celine Dion, she has sang that many times. 
Actually, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just spewing bullshit at this point. Celine Dion, she has really owned that anthem. What do I know? Um, what the hell was I talking about? Canada? I just wrote a bullet point. It says, Canadian comics. But that's a lot. Jim Carrey? You almost forgot that. And did you know about Tommy Chong? You knew that? I didn't know that. Oh, okay. I honestly just forgot why. Why I even thought of Canada. And it's because Alex Trebek. There you go. The greatest game show host of all time. Who everyone in America loves. It's not just like they were great comedians. But these people are just well liked. Well liked. You don't even hear many scandals. Our American celebrities. It's just scandal here. Scandal there. People Magazine. Us Magazine. TMZ. People Magazine. Us Magazine. TMZ. Canadians. I know I'm generalizing right now. I know I'm just profiling in the positive ways. But just good people, right? Mort Saul. Mort Saul, as I Google. Mort Saul's in his 90s, still performing at Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. Mort Saul is credited as the first modern comic. And when I say that, it's because he was like the first comic who said, I'm just going to wear casual clothes and I don't have a bunch of punchlines. I'm just going to tell some stories. I'm going to discuss the news events of the day. Comedy before Mort Saul was a lot of, hey, let me tell you this. My wife, rim shot, you know, suit and tie, very formal. The days of Maisel, Miss Maisel, even though that's a fictional character. It's not funny, by the way. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, all the comedy in that show. Sorry, I digress. I digress. But Mort Saul, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't gone to Mill Valley, which is 12 minutes away to see Mort Saul at Throckmorton on Tuesday nights. This guy's in his 90s doing a one-man show still weekly. I mean, not during the pandemic, but still. The guy is sharp enough to still do his style of comedy and draw some crowds. And most people in the comedy world do credit him as changing the game. Totally changed the game. And Mort Saul, Canadian. A Canadian. The style of comedy you see today, just good storytelling, casual clothes, not a bunch of hijinks and phony baloney punchlines. Yeah. I don't think there's anywhere to go after giving Canada all that praise. I mean, I could talk hockey and curling and just make this the most Canadian episode in the history of podcasting fun fact podcasting does not exist in canada yet okay i just made that up if you start anything with such a confident chipper voice by saying fun fact um just so you know canadians uh they don't podcast they do not podcast uh fun fact i lived in the balls at chuck e cheese for three weeks three weeks mom couldn't find me that's fine that is okay there was enough to survive at the bottom of the balls. At the bottom of the balls, which are covered in tears. You think that's gross? You think that's gross? The balls at Chuck E. Cheese? Nothing is grosser than my dog right now. It's crazy he's still alive, right? It's crazy. But he has every ailment. And one of the worst, probably the worst, is the discharge from the ear. Yeah, I hope you're not eating right now. I clean it. Don't worry, I clean it. But it smells, and he smells. And there's not an amount of baths. That's going to save the situation. My wife actually will gag. If Muggsy walks in the room and she's mid-bite, she's having a nice meal. It's just, oh, oh, God, could you take him? Take him out. Just take him out. Squirt some cologne on his face. Just take him away. And I think it's safe to say, I don't mind it. Do you know how disgusting that is? This smell now comforts me. And I know my wife might hear me say that and she'll be disgusted with me saying that, but this disgusting smell is in some way comforting because I guess it means he's still alive. You know, and don't judge. 
I know you listening right now, you like a smell that you haven't admitted to people that you like. And I'm not just talking about gasoline, nail polish remover, skunks or wildfires. Okay, there's some that people go, eh, you know what, I don't mind it so much. Or sometimes I like the smell of that, even though you know it's dark. But I just shared one. I just shared one with you. I like the smell of my old 15-year-old droopy-ass beagle. And with that, I'm just going to slowly walk away from the microphone. Maybe I'll even drop the mic. Like I just said something so profound, but we all know I didn't. But maybe I'll just have the confidence to salute the crowd. Just wave to everybody. That's my time. I appreciate you all. Okay, that's episode 112. We all made it to the end and we feel good, right? We feel good about our lives. I hope you do. I'm here for you. I love you. I'm out of here. This episode's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 